0: Loud is firing up our microphones, connecting those headphones as we search the community for themes to expand upon. We keep the banner friendly, the conversation, well, somewhat on topic, and have fun doing it. This week, we are spouting off about all the projects we are currently working on. Let's get into episode 47. <laughs> Linux Out Loud is brought to you by Bitwarden. And with me today are my fine co-hosts. Well, thank you. Nate and Wendy. I'm <laughs> even being polite to you for once, Nate. That's weird. I know, right? <laughs> are you feeling okay, Matt? Yeah, uh, you know. Well, I was telling I was dealing with you. You wasn't me and Matt. There you go. All right, there you go. Okay, I feel better now. <laughs> so, Wendy, what is going on with you?
1: I spoke so highly of that Garda A1 and it's already going back I had this really really weird issue with it where it kind of froze up so I had it plugged into charge the next morning went to go use it and it didn't have that charging animation or didn't show full bars nothing like that was going on on it there was a light that shows when it's connected to the computer And that was on, and I unplugged it from the computer, and the light stayed on, the device would not power on, it like completely froze up, was unusable. So I sent a message to the company asking about it, and they said, well, we are just pre sells we can't do anything. We don't even know how to fix it. So just send it back. I'm like, whatever. I'm just going to send it back because I definitely don't want a device that if I go to do a show, I'm in a panic. It's like swapping hardware because for some reason it's not working. It's froze up, whatever. Overall, when it was working, I thought it was a really interesting device. But after that... It makes me quite nervous to do a show with. And I was actually going to jump on to the Discourse Forum, chat with some friends, because there's a room that I like to hang out in in my downtime sometimes. I was just going to hang out with some few friends and chat while I was working on stuff. And at that point, I was unable to because it didn't work. And I had to go dig for other parts that I'd put away, thinking I didn't need them anymore. And so right now, this device is going back. And eventually I'll look for another soundboard type device, but this one wasn't the one for me.
2: Well, golly, that's pretty tragic because it looks like such a great device and something you could use for, you know, having other inputs and whatnot that would make doing production from your end easier, especially when you have like, you know, Magneto on or somebody else. That's pretty tragic, actually. Now, the actual failure mode that you're dealing with, is it just not delivering sound? Is it sound quality degradation? What's actually the problem?
1: It wouldn't power on. It was froze up in this specific state and would not power on. Like, I could not do anything with it. So yeah, there was no sound. There was no nothing. It was stuck. And I didn't have a working device. And there's no like hard reset. I held the power button for a long time trying to get it. Nope, we were stuck in whatever state it was and there was nothing that I could do about it. Eventually, it got out of that state. I don't know how long it took because I had it all unplugged and sitting to the side. Eventually, the light turned off that said it was connected to the computer even though it wasn't connected to the computer. So eventually, it got out of that froze state And I went to plug it into power and it was showing that whole charging mechanism. But a device that freezes up like that is not a good working device. Otherwise, I mean, it was totally cool because you could have all of these different inputs. I absolutely am missing the mute button. That mute button was so awesome to have on hand and have it lit up. To oh, see, yeah. oh, yep, I'm muted. I can hit the button and I'm right back into the show. Super handy. I would love to have something else like this, but without that faulty issue of freezing up and then being stuck with hardware that isn't working at all. No functionality. It's
0: always too bad when something like that happens because that turns off the customer experience overall, because like you were saying, yeah. it makes you not even remotely consider that particular OEM or what you know, whatever that particular type of device anymore from that company because of the experience. And their less than stellar response about it didn't help that situation. Right. So I think if the company had given you a better response, you might be a little more forgiving.
1: Exactly. Yeah. If I was, you know, contacting the company and I got a decent response of, you know, what was going on, a way that I can fix it, whatever, then I was like, oh, okay, I can deal with this if I've got a way to fix it. but. We don't know what's going on were pre-sales and that was the only way for me to get a hold of them um nope i'm out i'm done i'll find a new piece of hardware even though i thought this one looked pretty cool and my use of it the time that I, i was actually using it it worked i was quite enjoying the device i thought overall my sound on it was pretty dang good if I didn't have the noise reduction turned on, if I had that on, then I was pretty choppy. But we talked about that the first time with the tone of my voice or whatever. It's just not a good algorithm for me. It might work really good with somebody else's tone of voice. Otherwise, if I'd never had the freezing issue, I'd still be using it. Or if the company had a better response to me afterwards, I'd still be using it. But I'll be looking for different hardware now. Well,
2: good luck with that. Because when you find something, I'll let you go ahead and be the risk taker on that. And then I'll follow suit later on. (laughs)
1: Perfect. Sounds awesome.
2: Nate,
0: I'm pretty sure that's not the way that's supposed to work. Oh, no, no. It's fine. You have your areas where
2: you're willing to make risks. And you have your areas where you're uncertain on making risks. And Wendy's already dipped her feet into these uh, digital audio deck things. That's probably not the right term for it. But, but she's already dipped her toes in that. Cool so now she already has that taste in her mouth for something that works really well. So you know she's going to be finding it, you know, like another Pringle out of the can. She'll <laughs> find something from um, high water, I guess. And she'll find that solution go through all the pain and then I can just reap the rewards from that when we have a conversation on the show and then I'll buy it and then I don't have to worry about all the pain that goes with it. I've thought about this. Sounds
1: like a perfect plan for you.
2: (laughs) It is a perfect plan for me. We'll just totally ignore Wendy's pain in the process, right, Nate? Oh, no, no. I'm going to uh, be right there and say, oh, I'm so sorry and stuff like that. And in the meantime, (laughs) I'm... Smiling and taking notes. He's totally not even doing that, Wendy, at this point. Oh, no, I'm smiling.
1: No, that's okay. There's other things that I let him test the waters on, especially as he's doing all of that home automation stuff. I'll let him get a really, really nice plan figured out with all the bells and whistles that isn't connected to Google or Amazon. And then once he's got this slick thing all the way down, then I will be copying him once he's got all the... Kinks worked out of it. It works. This goes both ways. I'm yeah.
2: almost there. Give me a few more weeks.
1: Now I'm about to go to sleep with talk about the Steam Deck because you've gotten improved case for years. Okay, I'll be back from my nap in a little bit. Sounds
0: like when you two talk about
2: 3D printing. <laughs> <laughs> See, I like it all?
1: I know you do. I'm
2: like the center part of the Venn thing. That Venn diagram. That uh, doesn't matter. The two overlapping circles. Whatever that's called. I can't remember right now. Venn diagram. Venn diagram. Yeah. Venn is a generator. Venn generator. Anyway, I have a Steam Deck. And I really enjoy my Steam Deck. And right now, my oldest is enjoying my Steam Deck for me because we're recording this show. And he says, can I play on the Steam Deck? I'm like, yeah, sure, go ahead. That's fine. Well, a few months ago, I think it was now, Matt, you told me about this JSOX company and that they have dock stations and so forth. You actually told me about the dock stations. And I really wanted a case for it because I tend to drop things. I don't intentionally try and be careless, but it does happen. And I'll just mishandle something or, you know, maybe grab the hard shell to-go box that the Steam Deck came in and maybe not have it zipped and the Steam Deck goes flying, stuff like that. I need a case for my Steam Deck. And I got this case from JSOX. I was a little disappointed with it because it wouldn't fit in the dock station from JSOX. I got the improved one that has the more USB 3 and the, the gigabit ethernet, which I probably won't ever use, but you know, nice to know it's there, I suppose. About a week ago, in the mail, I got from JSOX a replacement case. I searched through my email, I didn't see any note about it, they didn't send me a message, there wasn't a note inside what they mailed me, they just sent me this improved protective shell for the Steam Deck. It's pretty much the same design as what I used previously. It grabs on the Steam Deck probably a little bit better, like around the bumper trigger buttons, it has a little piece there. It has a different style of kickstand so that it will actually fit in their dock. I did a video on it, actually unboxing it. I didn't have it prior to, and it's a great case. It's actually better for my hands because I have kind of these long gangly fingers. So it's nice to have a little more meat there to grab onto the Steam Deck. It's also slightly rubberized too so that it doesn't feel slippery. I'm using it now. Well, not right now, but someone else is using it, but it's on the case now. It fits into the dock very well. It's like they actually thought about it, and I appreciate it. And I appreciate that JSOX sent me a case I didn't ask for, but they sent me a case to use. And again, there's no note. There's no email. So I don't think there's any expectations of me doing anything other than to try it. And I just want to say, thanks, JSOX. I like your new case or protective shell quite a bit.
1: So let me get this right. The old one didn't fit inside the dock. They made a new version of it that does fit inside the dock, you didn't do anything and they just sent you the improved version? Correct. That's crazy cool.
2: I've never heard of such a thing happening ever. That's pretty darn cool they did that.
0: I like JSOC. I like a lot of the products they put out. I have the grip rubberized case, the one you're talking about, Nate, that goes around the shell of the Steam Deck. Do you still find that there's a little too much play with even the grip, though?
2: I don't notice that there's any play. Like, that's not something that I'm making a mental note of. There's too much play here. Gotcha. Does it feel, like, squishy? Like, there's too many gaps? I don't have the
0: one with the kickstand on the back, but I have, the like, the rubberized grip that goes around the entire Steam Deck. Okay. It doesn't feel like it fits flush, so there's, like, at the top around the screen, it's a little loose, but it's not, like, I'm trying to think of the way to word that, uh- <laughs> Is it the silicon protective case? Is that what you have? Yeah. Okay. That's the one I'm using. It just doesn't feel that it is 100% encompassing around the unit that there's. It's almost like if you have like long hair and the tie that you're using is loose. It's there and it's holding the unit and stuff right, but it's not actually tight enough to be like, so if you move stuff around like the buttons or whatever, it doesn't fit flush is one of, I guess, probably the best way I'm trying to say that with
2: the unit. So I would have used the pants or the jeans analogy. So it's like a few slim fit, not skinny jeans wrapped tight around the uh, Steam Deck.
0: Yeah, it's one of those. <laughs> but as far as JSOX overall, I do like a lot of their products. I have the Messenger shoulder bag. That they sent me for the Steam Deck, which has been nice because I can actually now have a carrying case that I like. I mean, before you could carry, I could carry pretty much everything, but now I can stick the dock that I have. I can stick extra USB C cables in there, the charger, the PS4 controller, the spare that I use for when I play on dock mode with the deck and stuff. So it's nice to just kind of have oh, right, your console sure. essentially just kind of go with you. <laughs> And then I have the dock you're talking about, the one with the Gigabit Ethernet and the USB 3.0. And there are the three USB 3.0 ports and HDMI. Is it HDMI or is it DisplayPort or is it both?
2: Either way. uh, It's HDMI, yeah.
0: So I do like that. The fact that they have done similar things, like I believe it was the M2 SATA. Dock that they made that if you bought that prior, yep, and there was an issue, I guess, with using the wall wart that the um, Steam Deck ships with to power that up. So they were sending out free 65, it was either 65 or 100 watt USB-C wall chargers to those that bought it prior. So like they do cool things like that, but then they do silly things like they make an announcement about like partnering with a site that's a little questionable in its nature. So anybody who uses Steam knows that reselling your account is terms of service violation. When the site first came out anyway, they were reselling Steam accounts. JSOC mentioned that they were, oh, we're partnering with these guys. And it's like, ah, probably not a great look, bud. <laughs> I mean, it happens. Uh, it's happened to game companies and stuff. I know there was a game company that said, oh, we're going to do a AMA on 8chan. <laughs> so expect them on certain things. But JSOC overall, their products are fantastic. And As far as most of their customer service, barring a few PR fiascos, I have nothing bad to say about them as a company.
2: Yeah, you know, I think um, it's possible sometimes a company can get a little tone deaf on something, make mistakes. But when you think about it, I know I've said things like this before, but JSOX is an organization that has imperfect people in it and imperfect people make imperfect decisions and these things happen. I try to uh, approach decisions by people or organizations with little grace, you know, like, look for a pattern of behavior, not like a, you make one oopsie of a decision and, and all of a sudden now you're on the bad list and I don't subscribe to that. Yeah.
0: I'm the same way. Like for me, the way I looked at it was simply the simple fact of, well, this kind of ties into Wendy's where they have provided great customer service for a lot of stuff. So like as a customer, I can't really be yeah. like, oh, you're horrible after a screw up basically. I'm not sure if we're allowed to say that or not, Wendy, but for an oopsie for an oopsie so for me i was just like you yeah, know, stuff happens we will make dumb decisions and then sometimes we double down on those dumb decisions that's just what happens and okay whatever and move on but at the end of the day how's our customer service in the dj mixing units issue that you had wendy customer service would have gone a long way
2: <laughs>
1: Oh, yeah, it would have made all the difference in whether I was keeping the product or not and whether I would continue to recommend the product or not, because I was at the point when I first had it that I was definitely going to be recommending it out. And now I'm not comfortable making that as a positive recommendation, whereas the customer service that you've had, even if, you know, something goes wrong, I mean, it happens for everybody. That if they can come back from that, be like, oh, yeah, we messed up. Or, hey, this is how you fix it. Whatever it is, then you're building a positive relationship with them. And it sounds like JSOC is doing that with its customers.
0: Totally. Nate loves that little surprise of like, hey, here's the new improved thing that we, you bought not that long ago.
2: Oh, cool. For <laughs> sure. It's pretty surprising. It's very uncharacteristic, a lot of companies today, so I don't know how they can afford to do that, but they must be doing well enough or at least are confident enough in the direction that they're going that they're going to give out a few freebies here and there. It wasn't totally free. I did pay for one case.
0: Yes, but they sent you the new and improved one for absolutely free that
2: f- actually fits the case. <laughs> right. Fits the dock station. Yeah, that's pretty fantastic. Well, speaking of Linux computer products, Matt, you've done an upgrade to your Linux computer product. Tell us about it. I haven't
0: done the upgrade yet. I'm still waiting on the 32 gigs of RAM. Oh, OK.
2: <laughs> but it's
0: in the works of being done. That's one project that I'm currently working on. And what machine is this? Oh, oh I was getting to that. So for those that <laughs> don't know. This is not the Steam Deck. I already upgraded that from the 64 gig model to 512.
2: The so when do you can wake up now? <laughs> yeah,
0: well, I don't know. Still talking retro consoles and stuff, Nate.
1: I don't know. I'm <laughs> a little bit more interested in this one from the conversation that we had before with what's inside of it. I mean, I guess both of them have their high points. This one is a little bit less. Yeah, I, never mind. They're both retro gaming stuff. Wake me up in about 20 minutes. Steam Deck
2: isn't retro. <laughs> I just use it for retro.
1: No, it's not retro. You use it for retro. It's just just handheld gaming like matt uses it for other things other than handheld gaming too it's just not my thing and the kids have a regular console they've got an xbox one we're good so
0: the atari vcs was recently put into a state of flux and they had a sale during the holiday that i ended up buying one This is a Ryzen 3 based system. I believe it's on the like 2000 series CPU, GPU, integrated graphics. But you can upgrade this max RAM. You can go to 32 gigs. You can upgrade a uh, SATA 3 SSD or M.2 SATA SSD. So do keep that in mind. These are not NVMe drives. Don't use them. It was like 160 ish with some shipping and our tax and stuff. Nice little computer, interesting retro style and design, but honestly, I think I'm just going to turn it into an HTPC. <laughs> it's going to be totally real. So my HTPC needs an upgrade because uh, right now it is literally a old laptop that is literally hooked to my TV <laughs> that has way too many things attached to it and this fits nice and neatly into like an entertainment center or anything else so the fact that you can kind of do whatever you want with the system is really what i bought it for and the upgradability was another reason i bought it for i did want to give the atari os stuff its chance i'm probably not necessarily the target market i have had less than an ideal experience on certain things with it so It's going to be nuked and paved, and it's going to be
2: an HD PC. What are you going to run on that home theater PC?
0: It's probably going to be a stripped down. I'm probably going to use like Mandrao Architect and have it so it just boots Mm -hmm. directly into Kodi. Okay. And then I'll end up customizing and getting all the the scraper information and all that stuff for my other stuff, Uh, metadata collection, done because I got a lot to go through. That's probably what I'll put on it. I'm not 100% sure because really any Linux OS for it will do fine. Even with the RAM and stuff, I'm more interested to see how the GPU handles stuff. So I want to upgrade the RAM to a decent speed as much as I can. And I want to upgrade the internal storage for what I can. And then install a white-ish OS on it so that all the RAM and CPU cycles are being more for video and that stuff. That's cool.
1: So really, you don't want something with a lot of bells and whistles. You just need it to properly pull in video from if you've got a server or other streaming services you've got going on Mm -hmm.
0: yeah exactly as a hundred i'll probably be about three hundred dollars into it by the time i actually get the ram and stuff i already got the ssd that i'm gonna use so that's one project i'm working on but i'm also working on a, a different project as well I guess you would call mobile creators go bag, I guess is the best way to put that, to steal from of our prior shows. That's been mostly just finding a lot more compacted wireless solutions and same type of gear, but less weighty gear to carry. I have an interview. By the time this will be done, I would have done it, but I have an interview with the folks over at Juno Computers this coming weekend. Instead of having to lug around to Boom arms and, you know, mics and all that stuff. I went on Amazon and looked for a dual lavalier interview style wireless microphone set. And it was like $40, I think.
1: Have you tested the quality on them to see if they're going to be like good or is it going to be crackly? How's that going?
0: Well, so here's the nice thing with that. What I ended up doing is they're mono mics. So Wendy, you'll understand what I mean when I say that the issue between mono and stereo. Yeah. Mono basically, for those that don't know, is you'll get kind of sound out of one speaker, and that's what you get. Stereo, you'll get both. Left and right. If you go into OBS and go into the advanced properties, there's a check mark that allows you to basically duplicate another audio channel. So if you only have mono, it'll put it to whatever audio channel isn't being used. That'll give you a stereo audio. So I've been testing that out. Once you add in um, some of the noise suppression stuff, because where we'll be meeting is more of a corporate coffee shop, I guess is the, probably the best way to put it. Mm. That'll definitely help with a lot of like the noise suppression and that stuff, and yeah. tying in a bunch of the OBS stuff. So. The quality is good, the range is pretty good for the most part that I've seen too. So the fact that it's USB-C, is real nice as well because I can charge stuff with it and whatnot because I have a couple. Oh yeah. I have a couple USB C ports on the Acer that I have as my quote unquote creator's machine now.
2: Are you going to be able to have multiple microphone inputs so you can have one on the interviewee? Yes. Be able to record them simultaneously as well as adjust their volumes and everything else. Or are you less concerned about the adjustment of the volumes?
0: So from what I've tested thus far. Once you plug in the USB-C transmitter, it basically ties both microphones to it. Take what you would get with like a wireless audio system if you were using like normal wireless quarter inch plugs into insert mixer board here, Nate. You've done this before. So the wireless systems for that. Mm -hmm. That wireless unit that generically goes with those microphones and ties each one to different channels and all that jazz. They've basically shrunken all that down into like a pegged... USB C device and it's maybe half a finger length in total diameter it works on both channels as far as like it'll pick up both microphones because the problem with obs and recording like with two usb mics sometimes is that sometimes the timing can get out of sync depending on the specs of the mic hmm. so what this allows is it comes in as one input If I adjust the input on mine, it's fine because it's adjusting the input on everything. But obviously you can get down in granular to control more if you want. But that's the one thing I liked where it was just like, oh, this is actually really simple to not be a headache. That's really the biggest thing. I'm testing it out for like things like GameSphere as well, so I don't have a microphone literally sitting in front of my half the screen in front of my face. That that's another thing I'm looking to try with, and uh oh. also gives a mobile solution as well. Because the next thing is I'm getting the gimbal and all that jazz for the cell phone and all that jazz to try with USB C on that as well to see how that does for more of a live streaming kind of input into OBS and whatnot.
2: Well, that's very cool. Are you going to be testing it out, like uh, giving like trial runs prior to do the big interview? I've had it for about a week and I've done, you know,
0: the bare minimum test as far as like, hey, it's, I don't want to <laughs> say, hey, it works. But, you know, I, I've tried tweaking some of the audio settings and that jazz. So like the audio is actually pretty good once you kind of tune it just right. And when it comes to lav mics, is more placement than anything else. You know, obviously you want them somewhere directly below where your mouth is going to be. A lot of people put them off to like the side and some stuff. Uh, A lot of it really depends on body movement and all that stuff because you're going to have the the brushing of talking and all the other stuff going on with the mics. So there is that potential body movement issue, which not a whole lot I can really do about that.
2: Right. I think it's always fun when you get new hardware, although it's not very fun when you get new hardware and you have to send it back like Wendy's having to deal with. But it sounds like, Matt, (laughs) you might have something here that's going to work really well for you.
0: This is literally what I've been trying to do for like four years where it's literally I can cram everything into a... Small, school-size backpack, essentially. And it's, like, wireless headphones, wireless mic. And it's all just plug, drop, pick up put the creative stuff out as far as the laptop, close it back up, throw it all back in the bag, and just walk away. No extra cores, no extra microphones. All the stuff that I've been trying to do for the last few years definitely uh, will help with that. So, um, Because my living situation is more spatial issues than anything else. So if I can get this to work, that means I can actually record from home.
2: Oh.
1: That would be so awesome for you to not have to be traveling to the recording studio and then back home, especially with this crazy as your schedule has been and the little bit of time that you've actually gotten to be at home.
0: Yeah. The nice thing is this will also open up more opportunities for me to game at home.
1: (laughs) Of course, that's better. (laughs) That's nice.
0: Well, also the nice thing is because of the style of place I live in, the way it's built doesn't make this type of content, audio stuff, really good because it requires a lot of space so like decent microphones and all that jazz yeah the lav mics are not something i would use on the podcast unless i absolutely had to or if they're of halfway decent quality um there might be a show wendy just a heads up (laughs)
2: um
1: well as long as i can get a good audio sample of the noise to then cut it out it's not that big of a deal it's when i'm fighting to try and get a good sample that i'm like oh my gosh i could just kill you right now in the nicest way possible i mean
0: (laughs) sister wendy comes out i'm just saying for me that's really a big thing is i finally went all in for the most part on like wireless earbuds and headphones and stuff I've always been reluctant because Bluetooth has always been, I'm not an audio file or fiend when it comes to like specific audio, but the sound quality was just never overly impressive on a lot of that stuff.
1: Yeah.
0: Now that I've gone wireless, like I literally, you have the charging case and it's like, oh, that's USB-C. Awesome. Okay, so I can charge all the things. (laughs) I still have like production headphones that I can use, but... Literally, for me, the biggest thing is just that mobile solution to kind of open up a lot of stuff in the personal life. And that's been a big struggle because the tech, the price point for that tech prior was not within a realm of affordability. I know Road has like... Some type of like USB lav mics, but they're like two three hundred dollars per one. Ooh! I mean, I can't say I haven't spent a lot of money on a mic because, like, the mic I use generically for this show is a is a Marantz uh, professional mic, but it costs like I've got it stupid cheap. But during the pandemic and everything else, that went up to about one hundred and seventy nine the last time I looked at it. Yeah. For me, the life situation is a, a lot of why I'm doing a lot of the stuff I'm doing. So the HTPC, well. New hardware, but it also, it's compact. The audio stuff, while
2: for the network, is also kind of selfish and for me as well. (laughs) No, it makes sense. You have to make things so they're sustainable too. If it helps to make doing the shows more sustainable, then, I mean, that's fantastic.
1: Definitely. Well,
0: the next step is going to be eventually to see if I can get Steam Deck as part of that with the mobile solution.
2: Oh.
1: (laughs) As Wendy goes back to sleep. Yeah, she started nodding there a little bit. (laughs) I'm out.
0: The Steam Deck makes a fantastic production computer, Wendy. I will say that, and I'll leave it at that. I'm not going to talk about gaming on it.
1: (laughs) I know you said that it worked really, really good when you were using it in desktop mode, and that does interest me. Obviously, I've got this massive tower over here to my left, and then there are still plans to hopefully build the kids' gaming system pretty early on this year. like late february early march to actually get that put together and the steam deck may have taken that except for i can't actually hook their vr headset to that so that's kind of the biggest downside of filling in that gap because their headset has to be able to connect to it oh no
0: totally yeah steam deck no do not even attempt vr with the headset (laughs) with the deck i love the deck but it is not for everyone it's for a lot of people but it's not for everyone
1: And there's limitations to every single piece of hardware and it's what do I need this thing to do? Exactly. And I just can't find a good place for the Steam Deck to fill for me because I've already got other piece of hardware that needs to fill that goal or it can't fill the spot that I'm needing. So maybe eventually, I'm not going to say never, I'm not going to say that I'm (laughs) never going to own one. Because if I do, then that's really going to come back and bite me in the butt like things that you have said before, Matt. So I'm not going to say I'm never going to own one. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about.
0: I don't know what you're talking about.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to say no, but at this point in my life, it just doesn't fit in our tech realm.
0: Which totally makes sense. The best way I can probably say that it would work best for you is if you needed a, I don't want to say cheap, but if you needed a drop in, like say... And I'm not saying I hope this happens, but if something happens with one of the kids' computers in general, just a statement. Yeah. Getting the $400 base model and any USB-C plug will make it a great situational replacement is probably the best way to put that. You're tied to, obviously, a screen, which that can be problematic. But yeah, if that limitation is workable, not saying it is for everybody then it is something that can be used as a good drop-in. I hate calling it a PC because to me it's not. It can be used to do PC functions and a lot of PC stuff.
2: I think we need to actually abandon the whole uh, PC name because is it really personal? When it comes to Steam Deck, yes. I just mean in general though.
0: Technically, I guess you could say the last two pieces of hardware we're talking about. You could say are actually PCs because you can make them personal.
2: If you say so, I'm not going to argue because I, I think you're probably right. I hate saying that. Oh, that was painful. <laughs> <laughs> I think Nate just had an ulcer. Something. Wasn't good, whatever it was.
1: Nate, are you okay? Do you need CPR? Do you need to take a minute and just breathe? <sighs>
2: I think I'll be okay. It's all going to be okay. i I'll be okay, yeah. Okay. I think we're going to make it. You sure? No. All right.
1: <laughs> this episode of Linux Out Loud is sponsored by Bitwarden. Bitwarden is the password manager that we use and trust. Bitwarden lets you set up things like a pin to easily access your password manager as well as additional authentications, such as master passwords and adding phrases to fingerprint security, all to keep your passwords safe. Bitwarden is the easiest and safest way for teams, individuals, and businesses to store, share, and sync their sensitive data. Go to bitwarden.com tux to get started for free. Say you want that premium account. It starts at just $10 per year. What comes with that? One gigabyte of encrypted file storage. Two-step login with YubiKey, U2F, and Duo. Vault Health Reports. TOTP Authenticator Storage and Generation plus Priority Customer Support. Make the smart move like many in the community have and go to bitwarden.com slash tux to get started for free. If you're like me, though, you'll want to show your appreciation for this amazing open source project by signing up for the premium edition, especially where it starts at just $10 per year. Thanks to Bitwarden for sponsoring this episode of Linux Out Loud.
0: So while we're talking about tech and projects we're working on and all the other fun jazz we've got going on in our lives, Wendy, you seem to have uh, quite a lot going on right now. Yes. What thing specific do you have that is going on though?
1: If you follow me on Mastodon, you saw that I started a pretty large 3D printing project. I have a small upright toolbox that is being converted into a Lego robotic station. So with all of these new kits we have, all these parts, all these hubs, motors, the little boxes that I was using to sort everything out just wasn't working anymore. I think I was up to eight or nine different boxes that were out. The one fishing tackle box that we had that I originally had all the parts in was just housing some motors and sensors and hubs inside of it. Had none of the actual parts in it. And it was a mess. Like, to actually get to anything to work on it it was already taking up the entire dining room table let alone having space to do the work on the robot. So I decided there had to be something else. There had to be a better way to do this. I found some little boxes on Thingiverse. I shared the link on Mastodon. I will share the link below again or in the show notes on which ones I'm using because they're pretty gosh dang handy. So the one by ones are two and a quarter by two and a quarter. And then there's different heights. So the ones that I've been printing are just over two and three fourths inches tall. Absolutely fantastic for the application that I'm putting in, even though they were designed for an Ikea drawer anyway i had originally printed off a two by two so it's taking that original square piece and you have two by two making a square in them pretty ingenious way of describing these things printed off one of those printed fantastic put some lego parts in it and i'm like yep this is rock solved this is how we're doing it i tried to print 16 one by ones because my build plate is big enough and was having some issues with the filament, because I was using PETG. I got a roll of that for Christmas from my brother. And so I was like, yeah, we're gonna hit the ground running, get some printing done. And by the time that I was getting to that plate of 16 one by ones there's just been too much moisture accumulated in the filament so I took the dehydrator through the filament on it overnight and went to print again was having all kinds of issues actually getting it to print I needed to do some bed leveling and decided well gosh dang it I'm gonna go ahead and throw octoprint together and get that working And I was still having some issues and come to find out the G code that I was using for the bed leveling was part of the problem. Mm. The numbers that it was getting directly from my printer and the numbers that I was getting in the bed visualizer Were quite different, so the bed visualizer settings was part of the reason I wasn't able to use an entire bed. Because when I went to do eight one by ones, that wasn't a problem. It was pretty much using the center, just the center of my build plate, and that print finished pretty successfully. And then trying to use the full build plate again, I was just seeing the difference, seeing the numbers, and I'm like, okay. So right now, until I fix that G code, try and figure out what's wrong. I just need to start prints still directly from printer. So it's using its pre-auto bed leveling and not the one from octopi I had eight one by ones and four one by twos that finished printing all right but i started noticing an issue and thanks to octoprint for this but i started noticing issues in my heat where it would all of a sudden just crash and then it would jump up and airing out with this thermal cycle air I'm like what the heck is going on I tried to print some little clips for my bed so I can just hold the glass plate on with these little PETG clips and that it didn't take long before it was throwing an air before I was watching that heat bounce on my screen like something's wrong. So in looking at some solutions they said you know sometimes your PID settings are off and Thanks to having Octoprint already set up and running on the machine, I could use that terminal inside there to run an auto PID check and then reapplied those numbers, tried to start another print of those bed clips. And once again, it wasn't very long into that, and those numbers are bouncing. The bed is fine. The bed is staying extremely stable. It's just with that hot end. So, right now, I believe it's the thermistor that's causing the issue. I have one ordered. Thankfully, that's not a part that really costs all that much. With shipping, it came out to right around $17. It's coming from Florida, and it's supposed to be here Thursday next week, so we're actually recording on the 13th. I should be receiving it about the 19th of January, and since I was at it, I went ahead and ordered some other stuff. I'm doing upgrades, dang it. I've been talking about upgrades forever. So let's just dive into upgrades. I ordered a new board for it. The Big Tree Tech SKR Mini E3 V3. That's a mouthful. And this one is supposed to be way better. I did all kinds of looking on boards and all that. Which ones are highly recommended? And this is one I just keep seeing over and over and over again again. So now, like Nate, my printer is going to be almost completely silent. I'm not going to have that screeching, those noises that are actually coming from the stepper drivers in there. And I'm hoping for a much smoother print. It supports both Clipper and Marlin. So right now, of course, it's running Marlin. I was trying to install Clipper on it before. The tutorial that I was starting to follow, I realized wasn't even for the board I had. It was for this board and not my board. I was thinking it was for the stock board because I was doing searches for the stock board. And so I had to stop in doing that. So it never actually got Clipper installed it. Now I can choose which piece of software do I want, Clipper or Marlin. I haven't quite decided yet, though it's most likely going to, clipper. And then I also ordered this direct drive upgrade kit. So instead of completely replacing the hot end that I have, it is actually an adapter for my machine already in its current state. I'll take the hot end and my BL touch off, put this new backing and adapter on it, hold the motor and the filament drive unit that I have that's already in the back of the machine and it's going to move forward. Really, really easy, inexpensive way to take my machine to a direct drive filament usefulness. So overall, with all three upgrades and taxes and shipping, I am under $100 and hopefully this is going to make a big, big difference in print quality. I'd ordered myself Two more rolls of PETG from Matter Hackers. And it is so painful to have three rolls of filament sitting there and not being able to continue this project that I really, really want to get done because my thermistor. Mm. Now, if that wasn't a mouthful of a story, I don't know what to tell you.
2: I've actually had a thermistor issue too. So you probably have like the thermal runaway, it starts screaming and everything else. The good news is it's actually an easy thing to replace. The bad news is you can't route it nicely. You're going to have to go over that little like sleeve of a bundle of wires.
1: Well, I'm already going to have to do a bunch of rewiring and all of that stuff because of the rerouting where stuff's going in, rerouting where that one motor is going to be for the direct drive. And on top of that, I need to figure out where I want to put that filament detection unit. Is it going to be staying in the back and I'm just still running filament? up and over. I don't know. I've got all kinds of rewiring and tweaking to do in general at this point. Yeah, but
2: I think you're probably going to be happy with the results regardless. You're not really going to recognize your 3D printer unless you squint when you're done.
1: (laughs) I'm excited not to recognize it. I really don't hear my printer running anymore. I mean, during the day, my door's open. The door to the spare room is typically open, so I can hear it as it's running back and forth. But it's the kids, since it's on the other end of the house, that are currently dealing with the noise, or was dealing with the noise that it was making while running at night. And now, with this change, that's going to be one less noisy thing in the house. And then, hopefully... I can finish figuring out what's going on with the G-code, get that dialed in for the bed visualizer so I can just continue to send things to the printer from Octoprint Mm -hmm. instead of having to touch the printer at all. The
2: coolest thing about Octoprint is that you can open it up and you can watch and see that your printer is printing properly without having to be right there next to it make sure everything's okay. You can check the temperatures and all those things. And to add on top of the coolness of Octoprint, you can integrate it into Home Assistant. And in Home Assistant, you can get all the stats on what your printer's doing, if there are any errors and so so forth. It actually gives you a whole fantastic readout of information. So there's all kinds of really wonderful features that come along with Octoprint and Home Assistant and everything else.
1: I need to get a camera hooked up to it because one issue I did run into before I was noticing the thermistor issue was it got clogged and it wasn't actually in the print head that got clogged it got clogged up in the bowden tube i think i just had too much heat travel up and so there was an actual clog in that cuz i'm printing at pretty high temperatures with these petg and that's where it had clogged up. That's where I'd had the issue. And so I'd went in to check on it and I'm noticing it's quote unquote printing, but it's actually quite a ways off of where it's supposed to be printing. Hmm. Once I get a camera on there, then that's one more place that I can actually check the print without having to go back and look at it. Because I notice that if I've got something printing and I'm especially if I'm worried about how the print's going to come out, I'm constantly going back to look at it. And it's really, really hard for To get things done because my mind's like, ooh, how's the print? Ooh, how's the print? And I'm constantly back there, and I've got way too many other things to do to be in there doing that. So now if I can just have a window open where I can see all of that stuff going on as I'm at my desk getting things done, I potentially can be more efficient.
2: Yeah, you probably will be. You're not going to regret purchase of a camera.
1: Well and you can use all different kinds, even just a cheaper end webcam. So it's not like that's going to be that big of an investment either. We'll start with these upgrades I'll have all kinds of wiring and stuff to get refigured out and then we will add the camera. Though I'm not the only one doing upgrades to my printer, you have quite a few upgrades yourself including moving stuff outside of the enclosure, which is probably next on my list is the enclosure and making sure all of that delicate stuff is not in there with the heat. Tell us about it. One
2: of the things I didn't yet do on the enclosure of my 3D printer, because you know what, when I get something close enough, I'll move on to the next project because that's just what I do sometimes. Bad habit and I don't recommend it. But what I ended up doing was I moved the PSU, the power supply unit, outside of the enclosure as per the Prusa black table enclosure recommendations. And I put it you know near where the power was going on that side anyway, just now below and outside. And that had two great improvements to the printer. One, the PSU is not having to work hard to stay cool. So you're actually increasing the efficiency of the power supply unit because it's not getting as warm. Also, I reduce the amount of airflow, air movement inside of the enclosure, So I'm not having the same kind of curling I was on the edges of some things. I also have a light that I have inside of the enclosure I ended up actually mounting the switch. so I don't have to go into home assistant to do it. Kind of part of an extension cord. I'll do a video on it sometime. I have it now mounted on the underside of it so that I can easily turn it on and off if I want to, whatever. So just switches switch is right there. It's hidden, but it's there. I know where it is and that's all that matters. And it didn't really take much to do. I just got a little extension cable for the power supply to the one foot, literally, extension cable and then a Y adapter. So I talked to you previously about having OctoPrint, the OctoPi, take power off the PSU. So I got the Y adapter for that as well. I'm now waiting on some connectors so I can have a nice clean plug solution into the Y adapter rather than bush up the Y adapter. I can plug the buck converter into that Y adapter and then have that give the Pi the power it needs so I can remove an extra wire out of the system. What I think might be a neat idea also is to power the lights inside of there as well. That might be a bit of a bridge too far.
1: Which main board did you replace the original one with? It's
2: an official Creality board.
1: So you end up probably going with their silent board instead of a third-party board. Because I know the one that I got, it actually has places for, I think, 12 volt, 24 volt, and 5 volt. So it's got... Uh, A plug-in for RBG lighting interface if I wanted to put rainbow vomit on my 3D printer. Perfect. That's perfect
2: for you. So I got the official Creality (laughs) 3D printer Ender 3 upgrade silent motherboard version 4.2.7 with the Marlin 2.0.1 driver. And that's for the Ender 3, 3 3v2, 3 Pro, 3 Max, and Ender 5.
1: Nice. So it's one of the boards that I probably could have put in mine instead of the big tree.
2: That one was $40. And the reason I went with that, as opposed to one of those third-party boards, I wasn't interested in having to flash something, trying to get it right, messing around yeah. with it, ending up bricking it, and then I'd be like buying something else or whatever. I wanted to make it as- Drop in as you yes. could. Drop and go. Exactly.
1: Well, I guess when my board shows up, I will tell you how complicated it was or was not to flash different software onto it and get it all configured properly.
2: Oh, that'll be cool. The next upgrade that I'm considering now that I got the power supply out of the way I'm really thinking about getting the dual Z-axis upgrade kit for it because like this is not relevant to you at all. There's only one Z-axis on one uh, screw on my 3D printer. I'm really thinking about getting the uh, the dual-axis upgrade kit. It's another thirty-two dollars since going with a direct drive print head that motor's having to work a little bit harder in the up and down. And also sometimes like when it turns off the axis, it'll just kind of roll down and that's kind of annoying. And also that's more wow. sinking that you have. So it makes for more of a challenge in leveling the bed too with the direct drive because I don't have the dual screw. I think um, Creality is very smart. They give you very bare bones, minimal viable product. And then you get a taste for that. 3D printing, and you want a little bit better, a little bit more, a little bit better, and then, then you end up spending like twice the price of the actual printer in upgrades. Well done, Creality. <laughs> I
1: already started out with one that had quite a few bells and whistles. So, yeah, I totally get it, though, because it's one of those things that once you start with it and you're like, oh, yeah, this is great, but I can make it better, so let's do these changes and these changes and these changes. I think that's where building your own can really make some of the difference. So the price you're putting into a 3 3D printer is exactly what you want from the start but at the same time like i said last week it's almost like computers too first you have to figure out what you like or that you even want to continue with this before you have the passion to start building your own and knowing what parts you'd want in the first place yeah and
2: it's a low barrier of entry getting the ender three The Bare Bones Ender 3. You know, if it's something that you actually want to continue doing stuff with, then it's very easy to add to it and do more with it. But, you know, if you just want to do a little bit here and a little bit there, it's perfectly fine as it is when you get a taste of that octoprint. Then you get an enclosure... Well, actually, you use the Ender 3 to print the parts you need to make your Ender 3 better. It's a (laughs) self-improving system.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so I know I can't wait to print other parts from a printer and do columns of other upgrades. We've got lots and lots more 3D printing stuff to talk about in the future. And right now, I guarantee Matt is fast asleep. And we're actually going to have to wake him up for Game of the Week.
0: I am actually totally awake. I fell asleep much as you did when we talked Steam Deck. (laughs) The game of the week is actually going to be a little more family friendly than usual. Weird.
1: Definitely more family friendly than what you've had the last few weeks. Yeah,
0: it's it's definitely not going to be rated M horror games, which has been the last few weeks. (laughs) This game is called Oil Rush. It is free to add to your steam library free as in you own it. They put this game out back in 2012 as a tech demo for the Unigen uh, game engine. Now, for those that don't know what Unigen is, it's a benchmarking tool that a lot of people use for games and stuff. So, like Unigen Heaven and those kind of things are who this company is that made this game. You can get it on Steam totally free. Just click, add. there's no microtransactions, there's no nothing. It's literally just, it'd be like downloading a game from the repos. It's just free do what you will. It's an RTS or real time strategy, but it's basically as I showed Wendy a couple of days ago, it's water worlds without Kevin Costner. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. It's definitely Waterworld. I'd say that there's probably a few more advancements still available than there was in Waterworld. Yeah,
0: it is a water-based like RTS, which is interesting. You have like jet skis and different units and that kind of stuff. You have an oil platform, obviously Oil Rush, that you are upgrading in that typical RTS style of gameplay. Again, just a fun game. It's like a 1.3 gig download. It's not a huge game. There is a single player uh, campaign. I wouldn't expect miracles from it. This is more of a like game tech demo than anything else for the engine. I will say at max settings, even now, like the water physics, it looked fantastic. Hmm. Character models, there are very 2012. Overall, the actual like environmental stuff looks really, really, really good even still today. Well, I just
2: added it to my Steam library. Way to enable, Matt. Do know I didn't actually enable anything. You went to it and clicked <laughs> add to your library. But I didn't know about it until you had the audacity to tell me about it. I just said it was free. I know. It was, you know Free 93 is my favorite price.
0: <laughs> the <laughs> fact
2: that Nate had to spend no money this time for a video game. I'm still complaining.
0: <laughs> You're still complaining. Yeah. You know... I could give the other recommendation that I have too, Nate, that if you actually own a copy of, you know, Free Space 2, there's technically an open source Free Space 2 game too. I bought it on GOG. Is there a way to run it cleanly? It uses the asset because of how the art and all the other stuff works. You can still, yeah, there is a way to run it cleanly. You'll have to do some importation from uh, your GOG game. but
2: I have to uh, figure out a way to like clear up my schedule of projects so I can just sit and play some of these games. This one, this oil rush looks like a lot of fun. Yeah, you know, I haven't pranked on FreeSpace in almost a decade now.
0: <laughs> so I believe if I remember correctly, the name of it is uh, I think it's just the Free Space 2 source code project. If they have a GitHub fs2 open is the name for it
2: i haven't tried playing descent on the steam deck yet i don't know what my problem is i mean that's a great game but i'm used to the joystick way of manipulating the things i don't know i gotta try it i have to try
0: it now it's your turn to toss in your two cents on today's topics hit the discourse forums drop us a line under this video or use the contact form by visiting tuxdigital.com contact if you'd like to hang out with us on our preferred social media platform see the links at the bottom of the show description you can find other great shows across the network with things like Hardware Addicts, Gamesphere, Linux Saloon, and more at TuxDigital.com. Show your love for your favorite podcasts and shows by visiting the Tux Digital merch store. Grab yourself some awesome swag like the gamer-centric I Pause My Game to Be Here Sure. Do that every week. <laughs> or join hashtag Team Wendy with some sinister Wendy swag. She really is that evil.
1: I'm not evil just because my sense of humor sometimes is a little bit dark.
0: thanks for the backup Magneto
1: (laughs) doesn't mean that I'm evil slightly sinister and only you behind the scenes and apparently Magneto gets to hear that as always we
0: thank you for joining us we'll be back next week with another awesome episode of Lenics Out Loud until then keep the banner friendly the conversations, eh, somewhat on topic and have fun doing it Magneto hitting back at you one day, just say. <laughs>